Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Mr. Rita. What? Huh? What? How are we opening this podcast? <sighs> well, I guess the standard opening is always like, what shows did you watch? What are your shows? What are your, what are your shows? You know what? I have been enjoying the warm weather. I just sit on my porch listening to Dad Rock. That's what I've done all week. Uh, I love Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Last night, I just did a deep dive into Paul Simon and discovered how weird he is. I had no idea. <laughs> All right, take it down one notch. <laughs> uh, I had five cups of coffee today because I wasn't keeping track, and now I've been shot out of a cannon. Uh, yeah, I know. I've been here for several hours. Uh, I love Steely Dan. Steely Dan, Donald Fagan's first solo album, The Nightfly. I include that as part of the Steely Dan canon. Uh, Steely Dan's great. You know, as I, I get older and I discovered yacht rock i re it took me until like age 38 to realize i love soft rock <laughs> you're my uh my very good friend rob has is also super into soft rock 70s 80s soft rock but has been since he was like 16 so that was weird but he's really grown into it now that he's yeah. like a 40 year old dad <laughs> he, he was just setting himself up for success <laughs> so we have an ama episode these are always fun we get to do a lot of riffing a lot of discussion, uh, and I want to go over some new features today. We got a lot of uh, feature-related questions, some strategy questions. I think this is going to be a good one. Uh, yeah, we got some cool stuff, including a thing that we used to do secretly uh, that is violating the Facebook terms of service. That, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, we never did that. Uh, that Shopify now lets you do legally. Mm. Not legally. Legally is a weird word because it's like, oh, no, I broke shop Facebook's rules. The cops are going to come get me. <laughs> oh, no, Zuckerberg. Yeah, oh, no, Zuckerberg's mad. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Joining me is my co-host, Mr. Paul Rita. And today we're discussing Shopify features and strategy in this Ask Us Anything episode crowdsourced from our listeners. Wow. But first... Some housekeeping items. Crowdsourcing is such a great way to just say, like, make other people do the work. <laughs> like, oh, you, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, we used crowdsourcing. Oh, so you just had a bunch of people that you didn't pay do the work for you? Awesome. Well uh, done. <laughs> every, every spring, our homeowners association crowdsources cleaning up the nature trail that mm -hmm. we share. Yeah. 
They your crowdsource it. Your homers association? A homers association? Is that like is that like also the opposite of the no homers club? The HOA. The homeowners <laughs> association. Sorry, no homers. Uh, so these new Shopify features. Oh my gosh. Shopify audiences. This is kind of neat. It's so our our big fear uh, lately is what do you do when you can't buy traffic from the traffic store? When your Facebook ads are less effective, when there's less ROAS, poor return on ad spend, poor, poor ROI than in years past. And so they recently announced this feature called Shopify Audiences. It's an app uh, available to U.S. and Canadian merchants, and you got to be on the plus plan. But this thing is nifty. It's essentially, hey, here is we're all going to get together and pool our custom audiences from our Facebook and Instagram ads under Shopify in like an anonymized exchange network. And then uh, you can, you, as long as you participate and share your custom audience data, you can then leverage all these other stores' custom audience data. So in theory, you all get a collect, you get collective access to a pool of people who are very likely to make online purchases. But don't they slice it even thinner in that it's really creating lookalike audiences? You That's what, yes. To, you could, from what I read, you could use it to create a lookalike audience. Okay. As opposed to just like advertise straight to it. You could like mix it with your other data. To, I think, I don't know. I have not, you know what? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Cause like if we're selling car, car t shirts to 20 year old goons in Southern California, <laughs> that's a different lookalike audience than if we're selling clothing to seniors in Denmark. So we gotta, you gotta slice the audience salami so they look alike. And that's what those are called. Those are called lookalike audiences where you take a thing in Facebook. I don't know if that, it's been years since I've done a Facebook ad campaign, but you would give it your list of actual customers and then Facebook would give you a giant block of people that's like, these people are like the people that have already bought from you. So you could keep advertising to the same demographics. And so I feel like that is a, this is a methodology for making lookalike audiences stronger. Yeah, you're looking at the the Shopify, the page about it, shopify.com slash audiences. And the help docs are up to, you can get a lot of info in there um, about it. It's got an FAQ section as well. But the idea is, hey, we're going to take the purchasing audience, so our high intent buyers, pool those together, and then you can run lookalike audiences against that. And one of the things we've had success with is mix the Facebook's algorithm with your own knowledge of your network. So I have... Give me a, uh, I've got this audience, this pool of high, high intent. I can make a lookalike audience of that. Can I then, if I know my own demographic data for my buyers, split or do uh, more laser-focused targeting on that lookalike audience? We just have a new form of, uh, a new, new data source for our audiences. But it's such an outside-the-box idea. It's very clever. I love it. Well, and it fits more into the whole Shopify itself as a platform type thing, like the same thing with Shop Pay, where it's like, well, if you're logged in on one Shopify store, you could be logged in on all the Shopify stores. It's creating every merchant out there is actually just one arm of the Shopify octopus. Yeah, yeah. You start to see network effects where we're able to leverage and assist each other. Mm -hmm. It's neat. Does this Is this an indication that, you know, five years from now, they have their own advertising network and ad platform what are they buying the ads on 
I don't know yet. <laughs> it's like, where are the eyeballs? I think it, it certainly that's got to be a discussion that has been had internally. But where are they getting the eyeballs? That they show it to? Yeah. I don't know. Google ad network. That's on Google. And? Where's Shopify? There's the Facebook ad network that shows ads on Facebook and Instagram. There's the Google ad network that shows ads on your Google results. Where is the Facebook network showing ads? Other people's stores? Well, there's a, a, a Google ad exchange. So you can get into that and run your own ads through Google's ad network. They're, they have a display network. That, show, that shows up on other websites. Yes. I'm who, just spitballing here. Who's buying ads on websites? <laughs> you know, my, my wife makes uh, a, a, a fair amount of money from, her, from ads on her site. So somebody... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Shopify audiences. I mean, if you're on the Shopify Plus, if you're on Shopify Plus and you're already running Facebook ads, I don't see why you wouldn't try Shopify audiences. Oh no, I think it's a great idea, if, especially if you're a Facebook ads type store that's buying those. the The second new feature we have here: estimated delivery dates at checkout. This is nifty. It'll give you a window. That says, like, this order will be delivered on, you know, in this date range. And so it's the, they call it the processing time feature. So in your Shopify reports, you could see, hey, this is my median time to fulfill an order. And here is my median time for that order to be delivered. It combines those two times for that shipping rate because it has historical data. And then for the customer shows them, hey, this is when your thing is probably going to show up. I think that's really neat. I love this idea of delivery promises where we're able to start telling people now using data, this is when you're going to get your stuff. Yeah, people really want to know that. And why shouldn't I? I mean, yeah, no, it's perfectly reasonable. It's a great piece of information that's going to help store owners. I just bought a big ticket item from Slovenia, and the, e the confirmation email I got from them was just like, we'll send you another email when we ship it. Well, not telling you when that's happening. So that was a good three weeks, I think, two, three weeks. And then they shipped it. And DHL told me when it was coming, and it came on that day. DHL had it completely correct on the day it was going to show up once they had it. But the Slovenians, man, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know when, when that thing was going to get out of there. The, uh, for the heck of us, tell us <laughs> what you bought because it's cool. It's not up yet, but I bought a 32-inch e-ink display. So you bought the world's biggest Kindle. I bought the world's biggest Kindle. Well, in the firmware, they have there's indications that there's a 42-inch out there somewhere, but I want that. But there's a 32-inch Kindle e-ink display that I've seen other dorks do projects with, so I bought one, and I turned it into a giant info board pulling APIs that's like, here's... The date, here's the weather, here's the five-day weather forecast, here's all the stocks you own, here's like six, the top six articles on the New York Times right now, here's the shows that are going to be on TCM tonight, here's the upcoming, the next three Bulls games when they're starting, and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been the thing I'm fiddling with since I beat Elden Ring. <laughs> Elden Ring was the thing I fiddled, fiddled with for a good three months, and then I've put a couple weeks on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I saw it and I was like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> no, it's really, I love e-ink. I wish e-ink was way more like available and used in products. I think it's super cool. It's just such a, it's a neat, practical, energy efficient, high kind, like it just has all these, so many advantages. Yeah, so it's like a thin smart poster. 
that hangs on my wall that changes and I need to charge it once every three months. That's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, I'm jealous. It's the short answer. All right. So our third feature, if you go in a Shopify store, you're just on the front end of Shopify store and you say, oh, I, you know, I need to grab this logo. This is like a thing that happened. I need to grab this logo. I got uploaded somewhere and you hit save as on that. What happens? Well, it saves the file out. Your browser will save the file out as the file it was given, which is a WebP file. Uh, this is a more advanced image format than JPEG or Ping. And you didn't give your Shopify store a WebP file. You just gave it a JPEG or a Ping file. Shopify then helpfully turned it into WebP so your store runs faster. Thank you, Shopify. It was great. High efficiency file format yeah, for faster it. load times. Wonderful. Got so it. thankful for it. But then when I downloaded the image, uh, it would just be in a WebP file, which a bunch of shit won't load and Shopify won't take. So that's the funny part. If you try and upload WebP to Shopify, it won't do it. Let's walk you through this. I gave Shopify a JPEG. They turned it into a WebP file. Thank you. I needed the file back. They give it to me as a WebP file. Okay. And then I run a re-upload it somewhere else on the store. Mm -mm, can't do that. Shopify doesn't like WebP files, but you made it. <laughs> You made the file. The advantage to that, though, is it keeps people from getting some, like, really crusty files where it's like you're just resaving, re-uploading, re-encoding over and over and over. It breaks that cycle. I mean, I guess it could say if this file is already WebP, don't mess with it. The, the new feature they added, original image download. <laughs> so the, the other issue was, all right, I'm, uh, if I need this file for a legitimate thing and I need to get it, I should have access to the back end of the store. In the past, those were also WebP. They, uh, they changed it. They call it original image download. Um, the download button uh, in product media and in settings files will let you download the original file again. So I'm pleased to see that as opposed to getting like the optimized version that I then can't upload yeah, this back is not, to the store. This is not as big of a thing for merchants, but it's a big deal for us. It, it was just like a regular it annoyance. Was so annoying. For us, so they fixed it. So thank you. I appreciate it. All right, let us move forth to our AMA questions. Uh, Anthony wants to know why should you upgrade your Shopify plan? Basic versus standard versus advanced versus plus. From my understanding, it pretty much is transaction rates that make it worthwhile. But are there other features? between each plan that make it better. I'm still on basic because I haven't seen a reason to upgrade to advanced yet. Uh, I don't know what's basic and standard. Goes, All I know is plus versus non-plus. And as we learned three weeks ago, I don't even know that when I completely misstated what one of the plus things was. <laughs> and it goes basic is, is 29 bucks a month. Do they let you sell things on basic? Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I, there, I don't know if there's still, there's a plan below basic that you never hear about called light. I think I saw a thing that wasn't that like only available in like India or something. I don't know. I, think that's like I a... have yet to encounter a light store. Okay. But all right. So it's basic Shopify, which, okay, that's the standard plan. Mm -hmm. It's called Shopify. What plan are you on on Shopify? Shopify? Mm -hmm. Good luck Googling that. And then uh, there goes advanced. This is, I think this is where most of our clients fall is advanced. Oh, really? I thought most of our, we mostly have plus clients, I thought. I, if I scroll through the stuff we've been working on, it's like all plus. Mm -hmm. But I, it, you know, soft spot in my heart Listen, for advanced. That badass, shut up. And then uh, a, the enterprise version is, is plus. Yeah. And I think there's something telling in his question. 
I'm still on basic as I haven't seen a reason to upgrade yet. I think that's true of any of the plans you're on. Almost always it's going to be, I run into a painter problem and there's a feature on the plan above me that solves that. That's what makes you upgrade. Just upgrading to get like maybe nice to have features. If you're not going to use them, I don't, where's the, what's the harm in staying in the lower plan? I know that there's just a there's a straight math answer to if you make more than if your store makes more than X dollars, you need to upgrade plans because the amount of money you pay in the upgrade plan, you're making more in the reduced transaction fees. Aha. Uh -huh. So there's just a there's just a number that occurs that you just should do it, otherwise you're dumb. You're right. This is true. So this is assuming you use Shopify payments, and you probably do because it's insanely convenient. As you go up each plan, the transaction fee goes down. Mm -hmm. And so at 16, like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a month, you US dollars, the basic plan costs the same as the Shopify plan. Wait, wait, are we using US dollars? Yeah, USD. I've been doing all this in Australian dollars. Oh fuck. I was using Canadian up until like 20 minutes ago. Oh man, that's I why like my paycheck was so big. Because it was doing it in Australian, I thought. That's right. Uh I have no idea what these exchange rates are. I, Australian dollars, I think, are like, it's like two bucks for every American dollar. Like, it's way higher. That's probably that. I might be wrong, though. Yeah, we're getting angry emails. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, at uh, 16000 it just ends up with that processing fee reduction. Ba you end up paying the same for basic and okay. Shopify. So, yeah, if you're once you hit sixteen grand a month, just go to normal. When you're at 32000 a month, you can just jump to the advanced plan, and you're really paying about the same for any of them mm -hmm. and then beyond that i think they're like there's a there's a a much higher threshold i would think where you can make the switch to shopify plus but i think w with shopify plus it's nearly always like there's some real annoyance we have that like shopify script editor or being able to edit the checkout solves yeah there's several stores that we deal with where it's like we well, need checkout editing in order to do this thing you want to do so you got to put it get on plus and also i've made this argument multiple times it is worthwhile to get on plus to get shopify scripts because with shopify scripts you can easily w run promos bogos you know free gift with purchase so easily and all of those will totally jack up your average order value and the jack up of average order value will pay for shopify plus like, not if you're making 10 grand a month, it won't. But if you're making over a certain amount, it definitely will. I do so much script editor work these days, both for, hey, let's power this complex promotion, or yeah, I just built out uh, a team store for someone where it's like you have to have access, and then either you know, you're a sponsor, an influencer, or an employee. And depending on what level you're at, we use script editor to change both your discount and the max amount you're allowed to spend. And so like, uh, or like, oh, there's this weird edge case where there's this one shipping rate we can't offer in this one scenario. Ah, scripts could solve that. So it's basically like all these, these oddball checkout issues that you could just solve with scripts that I greatly enjoy. But there's, all right, so we, Shopify, script editor is exclusive to Shopify Plus. So certainly there are features between these plans um, that change things. And I think on advanced, you get some nice ones like third-party carrier calculated shipping rates. Like that's a big one that you see people want a lot. Um, the and 
now on advanced, you can get Shopify Flow is just part of the plan. So that's a bunch of e-commerce automation tools. That's a really nice to have. There's others. I'm not going to give you a um, dramatic reading of Shopify's pricing page. But if you're feeling the pain, like you have some problem that it could solve, that's probably when you want to upgrade. Or if you've just hit that revenue threshold where it's like, well, it's just going to save you the money or it's, you know, it's a, a lateral move where it ends up breaking even. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? Well, you could make a deal with the devil. Can you believe it? All I had to do was give him my soul. <laughs> or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell, created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store entrusted by over 8,200 Shopify merchants. One-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. Plus, it's got mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T, and to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the tech nasty bonus. Tech nasty. Gabe has a question for us. Gabe says, I'll be releasing a new style of my product soon. Do you think it's better to do a buildup of it, like show sneak peeks, tease it, etc., or just kind of surprise launch it? I've heard conflicting bits of advice, i.e. build up the excitement so that people can't wait to get it and you have a good launch day, versus people want things now and don't have the attention span, so don't give much or any of a heads up. Kurt, do movies come out on Friday and they don't tell you about the new movie until the day it comes out? I, well, you know, when I really want something to be successful, I keep it a secret. Yeah. And then I hope people notice. Yeah, care. exactly. You know, that's like when you're launching a new store, you just don't tell anyone. And then one day you turn it on and then that store just it becomes a huge hit right away. That's how things work. No, you doofus. Tell everyone about it. Hammer your email list, sneak peeks, trailers, hidden shots where it's just like hidden in shadow. You can just see the outline of it. Tease these people. Or include them in the process of developing it. So they're like emotionally, no matter what, it's you're trying to get me to open my wallet and part with money. So you need to get me emotionally invested. And if it's just like, surprise, new product, that's more like impulse purchase versus if I went along on this journey with you or you just drove me crazy with marketing foreplay in the form of teasing this thing forever, being like, you can't have it. Look at this thing. You want it? Can't buy it. Ah! Yeah, you're you're one of the dumbasses that take part in sneaker drops. Do, yeah, I'm a real idiot. Do, does the sneaker drop, it just happens one morning? They hope you're looking at the app and on the morning it happens to be dropping? Or did they tell you for weeks in advance that the sneaker drop's happening? All right, first, there's leaked releases through newsletters <laughs> and like a whole social media community around that. And then they're going to tease it for me in the app with like push notifications, emails, and then they'll be like, hey, sign up to be notified when you could join a raffle to maybe get it. <laughs> yeah, like I will have gotten a dozen touch points, whether that's notification, email, etc., before I ever have the opportunity to actually try to give someone $200 for a pair of shoes. Maybe. <laughs> They're like, we might take your money. 
Yeah, and that's that's another part of it. You're launching a new style of product. Shh. Hope you can get it. Maybe I won't have enough. Yeah. You better scarcity. You better buy it right away because you might run out. Human psychology is just immediately like someone else. Like I might not be able to get that, but someone else will have it. Now I have to have it. <laughs> That's like our brains are broken, but this always works. I hate that crap. I'd rather wait a month for my stupid board from Slovenia than try to buy a pair of shoes that I then end up not being able to buy. Uh, in my defense, it's been nine months since I bought a pair of stupid shoes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I think last summer was the last last time. Maybe a year. What was the know. last time you were on a Disney property? Uh... January 1st. <laughs> All right. So, because that's generally like, what has Kurt done in the last six weeks? Go to Disney or buy stupid shoes. It's always one or the other. <laughs> so you've you've really, you know, I'm glad you've got a hold on your problem. <laughs> yeah, no, mostly I'm just reorganizing my garage yeah. these days. <laughs> Hanging out on my porch. Listening to Paul Simon be weird. <laughs> no, all right. So uh, we teased a game here, but... I mean, the answer is is you got to hype it. If you're not going to get people excited about it, don't be surprised when they won't buy it. Yeah, what what I what we're saying here is the people who said keep it a secret and surprise people are wrong. Yeah, just, just straight up, they're wrong. Uh, if you're moving, Dan wants to know if you're moving a website over to Shopify from another provider, should you try to keep the same URLs and content to keep your SEO ranking? Any other considerations to think about that will ensure organic traffic keeps flowing? Uh, first of all, you don't got to do that. Uh, there's a thing called 301 URL redirects, which is a thing you put, you could set up in Shopify on the website that you set up a redirect where it says, this is the old page. And that now points to this new page on Shopify and browse and the search engines all support that it has been Kurt. How long have 301 redirects have existed? They were established as part of the HTTP internet spec in 1996. All right. So they're older than all your children. Yes. <laughs> Quite a bit. It's not older than your cars, though. No. Uh, but yeah. So for over 20 years, you could just do this. Google supports it. I promise. It knows how it works. And it will just map that shit over. I, get, I understand the fear. With every single store migration we've done, this question will come up early is, hey, what about SEO? What are in our, or, our ranking and our organic search traffic? Like, what do we do? And the answer is, it, your content is going to stay largely the same. And with uh, most migration packages, tools, whatever, they'll even create the URL redirects for you in Shopify. And if not... You could manually create them with a spreadsheet and upload them. In Shopify, it's uh, online store navigation, and then hiding up at the top is URL redirects. And it's just, what's the old URL? What's the new URL? And that's it. And there's a, a status code for it that tells uh, Google, hey, 301. 301 means this has been permanently moved, so recognize it. And, like, yeah, there'll be a little bit of uh, turmoil at the you know, when the migration occurs, and then it'll even out and you'll be fine. And ideally... You know, if you're switching to Shopify and you're on a, a you know, a nice online store 2.0 theme and it's got all the, the rich snippet metadata stuff in there, you'll end up ahead of where you were once it calms down within, you know, weeks to, uh, we'll say two months. It's usually f like a few weeks of, of up and down. Clifford has a Facebook ads question. I feel like this one comes up frequently these days. What's your take with the businesses you serve? We just... 
dropped all Facebook and redirected money to Google ads and MSN ads. Our Facebook ads dropped off the map for ROI because of Apple. TikTok ads, we could never get an ad approved. All right. Row ads, return on ad spend for Facebook ads is down for everybody overall. I think on average in general, if it's down but still profitable, keep going. Why not? If it's down and not profitable, uh, at some point, why do you want to keep losing money with this thing? So I think no matter what scenario you're in, we need to be exploring other avenues. And so I love that Shopify Audiences is here to try and help mitigate some of this. Um, but that's a, a plus exclusive. And depending on the audience, a brand may or may not work. I don't, we don't have you know, much experience with it yet. Um, but worth a shot if it's available to you. And other than that, I would... I think I would, would start exploring other channels. The one I am biased and bullish about, but I keep hearing positive things about, is podcast advertising. And in the past, you had to contact podcast advertisers directly, which was more difficult and it's more money up front compared to like, hey, I set my budget in Facebook. But uh, podcast advertising networks that are self-serve, that work in a manner you're familiar with, like Facebook ads, are starting to appear. Uh, and Spotify has one. It's called uh, Spotify's Ad Studio, and that's self-serve ads. So, like, that might be a place to start. I think TikTok is worth exploring, but it is, I mean, it, it, it seems to be hit or miss on if you could get the ad approved, if it'll work for you. I think there's some, some teething issues there for them as they scale. Um, but, no, I really, I think, with all marketing spend is an investment all investments carry risk you could diversify risk by moving to other channels and experimenting uh braden wants to know we have been moving much of our product data out of the standard shopify product description and into product meta fields my concern is will this affect google seo will the keywords in the product meta field still be read by google i've looked for this answer high and low and have come up with nothing paul and kurt pulls help you know the answer to this. Yeah, it's fine. I think. It is totally fine. Oh, is it? Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because Google, they're looking at the page. The meta field data, you're rendering it on the page. So when the Google robot crawls that page, it's crawling the rendered version. So, it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's seeing those that meta field data. If you got it, if you have it visually there on the page, it's doing, it's handling it. Google has no idea where that data is stored in your Shopify CMS. So, where it lives in a database, not only does Google not care, it also doesn't know. As long as it appears in the HTML content of the page by the time it's rendered for Google, Google doesn't care. And so in this case, I can't, I just straight up cannot imagine a scenario where this creates a problem or really any difference whatsoever. Well, I mean, what if there's a world, you know, the, uh, Shopify, the template has the, has the stuff all filled out where it'll be like, it'll have like OG colon description and then it'll have like the product description repeated oh, my inside rich data. there like the rich data snippets and that stuff is part of the theme it doesn't know what you've put in the meta field so if you've pulled all of the juicy stuff out of the description and put it in the meta fields is it not being included in the rich data all right so i potentially break my rich data doing what he's described you're right however that's an easy thing to check and relatively easy to fix, but you do have to mess with the code to make it work. Yeah. But it would just be swapping, like, instead of product.description, I want, you know, description mm -hmm. is what I'd pop in there in the code. Um, no, Google has a tool 
to preview and validate that rich snippet data. So you could run it through that and just verify that you haven't broken it. I think that's not a bad idea. You know, take you 10 minutes to Google it up, try it. Okay. Yeah, I had not caught that. You're right. Ooh, I like this one. Mike asks, have you guys ever spoken about how you identify key drivers for e-commerce conversion rate or if you have found which are most important across all your clients? Good question. I'm going to say something that might destroy our business. <laughs> but, all right, please, let me get ready. Uh, the most important key drivers for com conversion rate do not happen on your site. <gasps> Elaborate. Product market fit product pricing, uh, how you're doing your emails, how you're acquiring your traffic, all the stuff you're doing to get certain kinds of people into your store and interested in your product that occurs before, that controls the people that end up on the store is more important than how the store looks. We can lump all of that under the umbrella of quality of traffic. Yes. And so we have a client where, this, this is where conversion rate is such a deceptive metric and where comparing between stores is an utter fool's errand. We have a client who generates a bunch of organic search traffic to a blog post. The problem is that blog post is only semi-related to their catalog. Like their top blog post hit doesn't have anything to do with their top product. And so it has uh, a, a fairly high bounce rate. And essentially what happens is that tanks the conversion rate. But has revenue changed? Average order value changed? No, not at all. But because we are sending a whole lot more traffic to the site that has a less than 1% chance of buying, the conversion rate goes down. But the net impact on the business is positive because 0.8% of people do make a purchase. And so you can see where it's very easy to skew your, your conversion rate way down and start hand-wringing about it when in reality, it hasn't hurt you in the slightest. You, you it's so hard to compare across stores and just be like, well, what's a good conversion rate? What's a bad conversion rate? I don't know. It's like, what's, a conversion, what's the conversion rate at a car dealership versus what's the conversion rate at the grocery store for this specific can of beans? Like, it's two completely different things. Yeah. And so that's why I think with conversion rate, you can really make yourself needlessly crazy with it. Um, that's where split testing is so valuable. If you, know, you could take the time to figure it out, you know, Google Optimize is free, but it's also not the easiest thing when you're using it for the first time. Once you've run two successful tests, you do it all day. It's easy, but it's like just getting over the hump on that initial set it up uh, once or twice. Now this leads into this is a good segue into the the follow up question from Martin who says, based on your experience, what are the most underestimated, unexpected, random, or counterintuitive CRO UX tips and tricks? Anything from a button optimization to search or filtering tricks. Now, I want to reiterate here, the things we are talking about here are little nudges. So it's like it's a nudge that moved the conversion rate by 0.01%. Yeah. Now, if you're doing $7 million a year, that's a very worthwhile nudge. <laughs> but... It's not going to make or break your store, anything that we were about to say. No. But it is fun. It is a it is a ton of fun. And he brought up button color. Button color is a thing I've always ignored because that's like the joke in conversion yeah. rate optimization. It's like, let's split test button colors. I did split test button colors on a store, and it really uh, was ex like unequivocally 
one color performed way better than the other. But ultimately, but what, what, what do you remember the uh, off the top of your head? The amount it performed better. Well, this all right. The statistical significance on it was ninety seven percent probability. But what I'm ninety seven percent probability that they would have made an extra hundred dollars. Like, what is the usage of it? Like, do you know? I don't remember. All right. What the what the value here was. But yeah, ultimately, I think it, in this case, it was less to do with the color and more to do with contrast just in that page's layout. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Which comes back to... It's being, yeah, it's not... Remove friction. It's not green buttons convert better than blue buttons. It's, it's stuff you can read. Yeah, it's like green looks better because they're, the background color is this on their store and the text color is this, so green ended up working better with their color palette. That's why. But I like that he said, you know, unexpected, random, or counterintuitive. I think... I love removing the price from the collection grid one of my all-time favorites works is better every time we've tested it it's better maybe it's not better for you but it's better every time we've tested it the there was one uh, there was one i saw where it did it had a negative impact i think though it's less about displaying the price it's more about expectation and pricing psychology i see the item in the collection with no price and I need to make a value judgment, like in my head, whether I think of it or not, tell, I'm deciding what the probable price on this item is. I see a t-shirt, I go, that's probably 25 bucks. I click through on it. If it's 25 or less, I go, wow, that's a good deal. <laughs> if it's 30, I go, and I really want it, I'm like, okay, that's about what I expected. If it's 50, I'm like, I'm out. But you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to, uh, what that person's expectation is going to be. But what I found is, I think... When we've run this test, I probably like 80% of the time, it's positive. And quite a bit positive. It's so weird. I mean, it's just like, yeah, don't show the price. Uh, I think another thing, too, now when I run split tests, I'll use multiple goals so you can see, like, its impact on multiple metrics. Google Optimize does this. So you could figure out, all right, what's impact on revenue? What's impact on conversion rate? So it's like transaction and revenue. Um, and... Uh, another good one we ran recently was, should you show recently viewed products on your product detail page? And the answer was, maybe <laughs> it reduces conversion rate a little bit. All right. So because you're making people click around on the site more. Anytime you make them click around on the site more, conversion may go down a little bit. It's extra fr- friction. It's click debt. But average order value consistently went up. Because they're seeing it and they're buying more items on average. So depending on the store's, uh, the catalog pricing, that win. But again, that's one that's like, you really would have to test it per store to figure it out. So I don't know. I think oftentimes no best practices. Yeah. So yeah, what we're really saying is all we're giving you is things to test on your store and feel free to pull something out of your ass and just test it on your store because there's no best practice that just works everywhere. For sure. I mean, there is, but, like, you've already got that out of the box. I think there are some truisms. Like, you got to get people – you have to reduce friction. So get people to products and shopping as quickly as possible. So, like, one that I saw consistent was if you remove the hero image on a collection page, it brings the products further up the page. Almost always that will perform better. The hero image looks cool. It's so neat. I love it. It's branding. Hashtag branding. But it also just shoved all the products further down the page. Hmm. And so, like, more... Well, and the fact that, depending on your store, 80% 
of the stuff is on phones. 90% of the users are on phones. So being like, I got a big, gorgeous, beautiful 1920 by 1000 splash image. It looks like garbage on yeah, my iPhone. It's on my iPhone. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not big and gorgeous on my phone. It's and another thing I, I got to scroll by. As web professionals, we are the only people still using desktops. Yeah, it's true. Everyone else is on their phone. Merchants and web developers I mean, I, are the ones screwed around. Yeah, I do this myself. and But, yeah, it's like you, me, and the clients. The clients got the got the store on their 1920 by 1080 monitor full screen. And they're just like, it looks a little weird right here. It's like, dude, no people on the planet are looking at this store 1920 wide. It's not. And no one even cares about phones. They're just like, oh, yeah, it looks great on desktop. We're fine. It's like, you. It, That's where <laughs> no customers one, are. No one even looks. I know. It's so strange. This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients. And you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Peter White, given the announcement that Shopify has acquired Deliver and that, at least to his understanding, SVN, Shopify Fulfillment Network, was, quote, a bit of a hot mess before. I'm not saying that. He is. Does this make it instantly more viable? We've been talking to Deliver about 3PL, and aside from their limitations in terms of dealing with larger products, and I assume he sells car parts, so we're talking about, like, quite large when Mm -hmm. he says that. Um, They're already tight integration with Shopify and black box inventory placement, i.e., you just send it to one place and they distribute it around the country. Does it, it does make for an interesting proposition. And so the question here was, you know, does this make SVN more viable? I think the answer is absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I feel like I personally feel like it doesn't sound like Shopify Fulfillment Network lived up to the expectations they had for it. So if they're acquiring a company that also does that, I would take that as we got to get this thing to work. And they're doubling down on putting more capital into it to get it to work right. Well, all right. So this is like, I think we have to look at, uh, Shopify Fulfillment Network as like this long-term opportunity in horizontal integration, right? We're going to add this extra component of the process. Like isn't they've it, isn't it vertical integration because it's like the next step in getting the thing to the person. You know, I always confuse which one's horizontal and which one's vertical. I say as a man with an MBA, <laughs> I think it's vertical. You think, oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, you're right. It is vertical. Yeah, it's you're right. And then, like, once they build the Shopify factory network that lets you make products that you then sell on your Shopify store, that would also be vertical. Yeah. All right. So we're in the chain here. Toby told me about that. He did. Oh, I yeah, see. They're they're building factories. Oh boy, that is none of that is true. <laughs> Made that up. You don't talk to Toby. <laughs> Stop it. Well, we don't let you know that we talk to each other. Oh, I see. It's been done in secret. Um. All right. So the You've got Shopify, and then you've got to fulfill your product. You're doing that yourself. You're hiring a 3PL like ShipBob. Maybe you're using uh, Amazon, Fulfillment by Amazon, FBA. Uh, Or 
the idea is now Shopify could do the fulfillment for you with SVN. But even with that, someone still has to ship the darn thing. And what was interesting about Deliver, it's a 3PL. So they store your product, they distribute it around the country, and they ship it. SVN did the same thing. So SFN. You keep SFN. VN. Sorry. SFN. Um, and so that that's horizontal integration. They're acquiring a competitor. They're acquiring another 3PL. But the real value and magic of Deliver is it's also logistics. They'll ship it too. So uh, we've got another step in our vertical integration. We have acquired a logistics company who could ship two days to over 90% of the United States. That's awesome. So uh, if we've got that, that's going to power a new feature called Shop Promise, where we could guarantee, I don't know about guarantee, but we could promise people, hey, you're going to get this in two days. And we could display that in the store at the checkout. Whoa, now, like, we're getting into the real magic of the power here. Because I think increasingly, you know, as people get more sophisticated and more experienced with e-commerce, the delivery promise, when am, am I going to get this? Yes. When am I going to get it? Quickly. You, that's the, the big value add that people buy into and trust into. And having that, okay, now we're, we're at parity with um, or beyond with Amazon Prime. Ooh, it's getting exciting. Uh, Catherine wants to know, uh, no, no, no doubt uh, how long is a piece of string question. I like to say, how much does a car cost? Uh, but head, a headless Shopify build, is it feasible for a small business cost-wise, or is it the domain of medium to large? Are we talking five figures or heading into six or seven? Thank you. If you're doing under $100,000 a year, do not do headless. Straight up, no, don't do that. Uh, if you're doing under a million dollars a year, don't do headless. Do not do that. Yeah, what are, what's the advantage? What are we trying to achieve That's by the switching other thing. to headless? Like, I don't get what headless gets you. And I would say the demarcation for headless, if you want to do it, I don't know why, I don't understand it, maybe I'm dumb, is are you ready to have an employee of your company whose entire job is writing code for the website? If you are not, if your business is not ready or not prepared to have that level of employee, do not do this. I don't disagree, but counterpoint, I think a technically proficient, sufficiently nerdy <laughs> store owner could get by with a more drag and drop polished headless solution like Shogun Frontend. Because headless could be two things. It could be like... But they would still need... A team on retainer. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, to help. Or at least, a, like, probably a developer if they're not Yeah, they would a need developer. a developer on retainer still. I, I really think it is a, at least currently, it's something where you really have to want this hyper-granular control over the front end of the website. And you're because you're so technically proficient, you're like, look, I can do it better than Shopify does. Yeah. All right, good luck to you. And, I mean, we don't hear the... This isn't like our sector of the industry. So like we don't know that much about people going to headless, but we know a hell of a lot of people getting off headless. They become our clients. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Overtone being a good example. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like even if you could do it, I just don't know why you would, especially now the Shopify theme experience with online store 2.0. Now that like that's really rolled out and, and those features have fleshed out um, both in the editor and the theme and with meta fields. Suddenly, 
I'm like, this thing's really sweet. Like, it does feel uh, quite a bit better, faster, you know, more streamlined uh, than online store 1.0 mm-hmm. was. Yeah, and leveraging meta fields in 2.0, you do have to do a lot of initial setup. Like, you need to get someone like us to, like, what the initial themes being set up to set up all the meta fields and set up how the meta fields appear on the pages and how they work on the front end. But once that's done, the store owner can definitely maintain it themselves. A low code drag and drop store owner can do that themselves. The they, thing they just got to outlay for the initial setup. That's, that's rough well, about headless. Whereas with headless, anytime you want to change anything, you got to go call up the dorks in the in the dork pit to well, go do it. I think the bigger issue, you give up the app store. And That's there's true. always going to be some like issue you have, some feature you want that there's an app that easily solves. And you're going to want it and then you're going to be like I can't use it cuz I'm only <laughs> sort of on Shopify. That's I think a good description of headless. You're sort of on Shopify. <laughs> that was our last question. I think we had some some good ones there. I would like to hear these folks' thoughts on this episode. So please join our Facebook group, the unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders. Come talk to us. And uh, we do an AMA every uh, four to six weeks or so. So join. I'm sure post your questions because I'm sure there will be another one. There always is. Thank you, folks. Good night. Ooh-wee. Privy is the fastest way to grow sales with email and SMS. You can build your list, save abandoned carts, send money making emails and texts, and more, all in one place. Plus, you'll get coaching and support from e-commerce experts no matter where you start. Privy is the number one rated sales app on Shopify and has helped merchants deliver over 7 billion in online sales. Join the thousands of merchants growing with Privy by signing up for a free 15-day trial today. Just head over to privy.com slash unofficial Shopify to get started. That's P-R-I-V-Y dot com slash unofficial Shopify.